Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. PCC, it's always a treat to be with you. Uh, my name is, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> um, and greeting, <laughs> greetings to all of you who are watching online. Um, I know some new moms are watching online, and congrats to you. Um, my name is Tina Chang Henson. I'm a pastor within the ECC further south, and my husband's here today, John. We're here from Santa Clara. We brought the kids, the kids from the kids program. And it's been an honor to guest preach for you over the course of the last few months, because every time I do, God gives me a book to read to help me grow in my life. Um, so I came in the f- March, I think, and preached about grief and read Brian's book, which was so good. And then I came and I preached about Judges 4 to 5 on Mother's Day about Deborah and JL, and I referenced Condoleezza Rice, and I picked up her title, Extraordinary Ordinary People, and I stuck that in the sermon. And then today, I've been thinking about stolen focus and how we're so distracted and how that's been hard for us. And I'll, I'll reference that a little bit right now. But I also just want to say, PCC, I've been praying for you guys a lot. God's put you on my heart uh, to pray for you as you're in this time of important transition, as you're prayerfully searching for a new lead pastor. So I've been praying for your staff and the search committee, and I just pray for you. I think you're a significant community in this part of the Bay. I've been praying for God to give you a person who will guide you as a shepherd on mission with him to love and bless this region. As I begin, I want to ask you, as Scott asked you, what burdens are you carrying in this morning? I know every Sunday morning we come in with something on our heart, something on our mind. I find myself carrying lots of groceries in from our minivan for our three kids. And um, we're always holding our kids in awkward positions, and so our backs and our necks get stiff. Maybe you guys come in with things from the work week that are on your mind, tension in your head. Back when I was in college, hopefully this picture shows up, um, I remember sophomore year of college, I um, had this routine of feeling like when I needed to decompress, um, I lived in the, the tower entryway of Lowell House. And if you know, I lived on the fourth floor, right above that kind of portico. And two floors up, there was this room with four windows, one window on each side. And it was an empty room, except for one grand piano. And I would go up there sometime during the week if there wasn't anyone reserving it. And I would go and I would pour out my heart to God, usually because I was practicing for Friday night worship my Christian fellowship, and the worship team did a great job. But what I would do is, to prepare for worship, I would go up there and make sure I was worshiping the Lord. And I would process my unrequited crushes. <laughs> I would pray for my exams, pray for my family. My sisters were, one was in the working world, one was here at Stanford, and I would pray for my parents, and I would pour out my heart. And so worship was my place of, of encounter, where God would roll the burdens off my shoulders and reframe my thinking and turn my attention to him. I needed that. I needed that. The other thing that helped a lot when I was in college was manuscript Bible study. I was a part of InterVarsity, and someone would um, get a manuscript out, next slide, and they would delete all of the verse references, they would take away the paragraph breaks, and they would print it out on paper, and then they would give us markers and pens. And they would say, all right, study it. 
and they would give us the new revised standard version of the Bible, which was a little different from the NIV, and we would all think, this word's a little different, and we'd notice it differently. I was an English lit major, which is why I love books, but there was no book like the Bible. This is probably why I'm a pastor. These days, in an era of stolen focus where my smartphone is constantly distracting me, not if you agree, and I just feel I can't get anything done, God has been slowing me down and making me write out the Bible first by hand to really make me process each word, each letter, slowly. And as I hand write the word of God, I observe the text. And then I go one step further. And after I write it out hand by, by hand, word for word, letter for letter, I take my markers, my colored pencils, my pens, and I start getting into the word of God. And this is the thing that I found that helps me really process my life, think about the burdens, the stressors, and I lose myself in what the word of God has to say. And this morning, I'm going to invite you to do this as we've been doing over the course of this great series on Psalm 119. I'm going to give you five moments of precious silence to take out that slice of the Psalm 119 bookmark. And I want to give you the things that I did when I was a student that have been so helpful to me 20 years later. So if you would with me, I'm not gonna make you write out by hand, you don't have time for that. Next slide. I want you to highlight any concepts or themes that show up multiple times. I want you to circle any repeated words, maybe with red pen if you have it, that's what I did. And then put an orange box around anything to do with the author, where it says me, my, you. Um, And I'm going to give you some time for this. And then afterwards, we're going to regather back. And I want to hear from you your observations, what you notice about the text. I hope that as you do this, you'll engage well and find your burdens and your thoughts shifting and rolling off. All right.
gather us back. So I'd love to hear from anybody, particularly those who have maybe never had a chance to share. Any observations you guys found? Well, first let me ask you, all right, how many times does the word remember show up? Three, okay. How about the word comfort? Twice, good reading. How about the word obey? Obey? Ooh, I stumped you. <laughs> Three, good job. <laughs> okay, any other observations you guys have? Shout them out at me. I've got good ears. 14. Did anyone else count a couple more? 14 is pretty good. I thought I found 16. <laughs> anyone? I don't know. Double checked us. Fact check. I think it's in every verse. But maybe we're missing. Maybe they say statutes and commitments and you didn't count. But thank you for noticing. It's in almost every verse. Go ahead. Oh, he did count statutes. This is like a fun, uh, okay, back and forth. Anything else you guys found? Other observations? Things you noticed? Have a Promises three times. Good. Okay. Now, any any ideas? I don't know. Any insights that came to you as you were reading? Things that kind of sparked for you? That's okay. I didn't quite give you five minutes. I cheated. Um, keep going. I'm gonna go into this some more, um, and I'm excited to tell you what happened. So, in manuscript Bible study, after you've done the work of observation like really seeing the text. And you could take like another five whole minutes probably and just do that. Your mind naturally wants to make meaning of it. What does it mean? You know, how do I apply this to my life? But interpretations are that, like what is it saying? And then applying really is like, how do I live it out? So we'll get there. As I went, I noticed the word remember shows up three times. Remember your word to your servant. Remember your ancient laws. In the night, I remember your name. And then the word comfort is connected to that. And it says, my, I remember your ancient laws and I find comfort in them. I remember your words and that, that brings me comfort. There's this connection between looking back and reflecting and feeling good. The word of God, sometimes also what happens is as you read, remember I asked you to kind of circle what, or box in orange what the author was saying about himself? you'll find yourself noticing what the author's saying and you'll find yourself putting yourself in that person's shoes and relating. That's a powerful way to kind of go through this and find its impact for you. As I go into this, I, I want to say interpretation really is about kind of how do I think about this? What came out to me, if you go to the next slide, is that I noticed there's three times that the wicked or the arrogant show up. Um, and it's in verse 51, 53, and 61. It says, The arrogant mock me unmercifully, but I do not turn from your law. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. Indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. And it shows up a lot, but I realize in that boxed area, it's just about a quarter of it, but there's so much more. Three quarters of the passage is about God's word anchoring us, right? But that's what happens in our lives. You know, Satan would want to kind of steer you off track and say things to get in your thought life and kind of get you down, but you can't let them discourage you. It eclipses the other three quarters of what's true, right? I have a story to tell about this. Um, five years ago, I went through a really uh, tough week of life. It was this week of life five years ago. I remember it was my, my son Peter's birthday, and I got this really intense letter at work saying that um, there were four pages saying all the things I was doing wrong. There was like one paragraph of good. 
And I let that four-page document eclipse the nine months of work that had been really good. And I realized what I needed to do was put myself in the Word of God because I, I needed an anchor because that, that was, a, it was an intense time for our family. And I needed the Word of God to speak. And I love what Brian said last week in his message about how God's Word promises EFPPP, eternal life, forgiveness, and the capacity to forgive, his presence, his power, and his provision. I needed that sorely and desperately. Now, looking back, I probably needed 40 pages of the Bible to like overshadow the four pages. But I had four verses that God did give me. And God said, Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. People said stuff to me at that time that was so harsh, like, you're a square peg in a round hole, you'll never do well here. And I was like, I hurt so much. And I needed God to say, silence, just be like Jesus, be still. Let me fight your battle. Let me tell you what's true. There was this time when, at the time, I thought about Jesus and how when he was tested and tried, he felt like the whole world was against him. The chief priests, the elders, and his disciples even, you know, betrayed him. Whenever you feel like the whole world is against you, you have to find that Jesus can understand that. He's with you, even in that. Remember the word Gethsemane stood out to me at that time. Gethsemane comes from the Hebrew where it says that oil is pressed. Oil is pressed at Gethsemane in the way that Jesus was pressed. He was sorely put on. They say that oil is taken from olives, that they crush it, and then after they've crushed it, they put it under stone slabs and they press it down even more to get the oil out. Jesus was crushed and pressed and he was carrying burdens for us, pressed down so hard, and yet the oil came out. We talked about how his blood was like tears, right? This is, these are the things that stuck with me in this time. God's word was an anchor in this time. This idea of Jesus being, carrying my burdens for me, being crushed for me, but I was still gonna be safe and okay. Friends, I don't know what you're up against. Every week of life, we have so much coming against us. Are you feeling pressed, burdened? Is the word of God your anchor? Can you find in remembering his laws that comfort that comes from him? How we need that. Right in the middle of this passage, if you can get away from the, the sidetrack you know, of, of Satan and his enemies that wants to derail you, you'll find in the middle of the passage this beautiful line that says, your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. And I told you that that grand piano in that room, sophomore year of college, was where I sang the songs of the Lord. Now, after that point, I graduated. I lived in an apartment where all I had was a, a keyboard earphones and neighbors. And I was like, I can't really disturb the neighbors. So I would sing quietly to myself, you know, couldn't really belt and wail. Then we moved to California and same thing, neighbors, keyboard. You can't move a piano into an apartment, right? Finally, John and I live in a house that we own. Our neighbors are, you know, feet away. <laughs> and we finally have a piano in our living room. And next slide. I can finally sing the songs of God in the place where I lodge. Amidst transition now, I feel like we're living in a place where God's word really is our one constant. Wherever I move, you know, Boston, New York, here, God's word, his, my song to him, his song to me, that is what anchors us. 
that is what can be our anchor. As I close up here, I want to ask you, you know, I don't know where you're living. I don't know if your place feels permanent or impermanent. Will you sing the songs of the Lord? Would you sing out his decrees as your anchor in life? God, would your decrees be the theme of our song wherever we lodge? So after you've done the work of observation of the text and interpretation, you know, what does it mean? Stay the course, don't get sidetracked, sing the songs of the Lord. Finally, you have to apply it to your life. You have to figure out how do I live out what I've just read so it doesn't just you know, evaporate like so much happens these days. It just poof, it's gone. I want to tell you about something called the practice of examen. It comes from the word in Latin for examination, but it's not a test. It's more an attitude of the heart where you go back through your day and you revisit it. This practice is over 500 years old. St. Ignatius of Loyola, who founded the Jesuits, um, discovered this. He was, a, he was a soldier by training, and, and discipline was important for him. And he applied that to his ministry. And he said, go back over your day every time you have a day. Next slide. And have a routine of revisiting what God has done in your day. And the reason why we do this is because life piles up. There's things that happen, letters that get written. There's tough things. And you have to kind of go back and say, what was good about my day? In the passage, it says um, several times, in the night, I remember your name, O Lord. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. And um, in Protestant circles, we love the morning quiet time. And I think it's so important to start your day with God and the word. Sometimes I think when I've been a busy mom, I'll do a, a lunchtime quiet time because that's when the house is empty and I can focus. But I also realize at night, that's also the key moment where you can actually quiet down no matter your schedule. Everyone goes to sleep at night, right? <laughs> and you just sit there in bed and say, God, you know, where, where did you show up? You know, this, past, this series has been about a way to practice gratitude, awe, and dependence. And that's really what happens for me when I do the exam. Next slide. Um, when I go through the exam, and I'm going to teach you how to do it, Again, more an attitude than a method, but this helps. You ask God for illumination. You know, what happened in this day? You give thanks for it. And you kind of go through and say, that was great. You might notice the feelings that surface in, each, in your day, either positive or negative. And you choose one to pray from. And you pray from that, that spot, and you just kind of lift up to God. And then you look towards tomorrow at the end of it. Now, I know you need an example, so I'll give you an example. All right, a few weeks ago, I was doing the exam, and I'd had a busy day. I met with my advisor, took a friend to a movie, um, I had my child with me all day, and when I prayed about it, I was like, God, what showed up in this day? And what happened was my son, Peter, who's seven, had been at spy camp all week, and we didn't know this, but on day two, someone had started bullying him during spy camp. So by day five, he refused to go inside. And I was like, oh, Peter, <laughs> I got to see my advisor. I have like a lot to do. And Peter's like, I don't want to go in. I was like, oh, dear. And so I went into the spy camp, and I said, hey, kids, my son doesn't want to go in because apparently you bullied him. Can you guys talk to him? And so six little kids filed out, circled my minivan, and were like, Peter, we're so sorry. Peter, you're probably overreacting, but we're really sorry that we made you sad. Will you come back at you know, spy camp with us? And he was like, no. <laughs> and 
And the funny thing was, in a day of so much activity, this was a beautiful moment where six, seven-year-old kids came out to say sorry to my son and say, we really feel bad, you know, please forgive us. I didn't say that, but they were like, sorry, Peter. But I love that in the exam, I noticed what was most important about that day. I noticed my child. I noticed his needs. And I noticed a community that cared enough to respond. Another day I did the exam, and I had been at work, and I had used the wrong bathroom. And then you'd be like, how did you use the wrong bathroom? Well, apparently, if your church rents to a preschool, the preschool wants the bathroom for just the adults. And the lady was like, I don't know who you are, but that's the wrong bathroom. And I was like, oof. <laughs> I felt defensive and like a little like territorial and like, I'm a pastor at this church, you know. And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> but in the exam, when I went back and I, I noticed my feelings. I was like, huh. I got kind of angry and upset, you know. I felt like this is my turf, not your turf, lady. But this was a beautiful thing. God gave me that chance to say, all right, Tina, just confess it. You're a little proud. You got some pride there. You got to just let it go. I processed my day with the Lord. Okay, last Sunday, last example that I'll get off the stage. <laughs> it was our anniversary. We had a birthday party for one kid, a birthday party for the next kid, our anniversary, and we kicked off a marriage group at our church that day. It was a busy day. I climb into bed exhausted. I'm like, God, where did you show up today? And immediately he brought to mind my friend in the marriage group, her tears. She and her husband were having a hard time. That's why they're in the marriage group. Her tears. It wasn't about my anniversary, which was great. It wasn't about the kids' birthday parties, which were great. It was about her tears. And so the next day, I emailed her. I said, hey, God said I should check on you. How are you doing? Let's get time to talk this week. And then on Thursday, we got to talk on the phone. And it was so good just to pastor and shepherd her in her life. The examine, guys, is a powerful tool it surfaces the joys, the sorrows. It helps you notice what you are doing and what the people around you are doing and feeling. It's about a way to pray into your day, a process. So those burdens that you carry, that we all carry, those things that happen to you when people say mean things about you, you're a square peg in a round hole, whatever they're saying, you have a chance to let go and give it to God. Friends, the examine is a powerful way to apply this text Psalm 119 is an amazing, amazing psalm. It's about the goodness of the word of God and going to him. Last slide. At the end of the psalm, it says some beautiful things. The earth is filled with your love, O Lord. But it also says this thing. You, God, this is in the middle. You are my portion, O Lord. I have sought your face with all my heart. Really, we read the word of the Lord because we want the Lord. We want his lordship over our lives. When it says that, um, you know, I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. Friends, all of us, we like to be in the driver's seat of the car of our lives, and we want to go left. And sometimes our spouse, our kids, everyone else, and the Lord is like, no, 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 go right the examine is that daily repentance routine where you can be like, God, I want to go left. Take the wheel, Lord, and help me turn right. Turn my steps towards your statutes. Help me do the thing that I know you want me to do. Help me be obedient to you, God. Ah, may this be our prayer. Would the word of God and good books guide us, but with the word of God and writing it out hand 
by hand, word for word, letter for letter, with the word of God and marking it up, letting it shape us, form us, carry us. Would that be what takes us through life? Our Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was pressed, and yet he conquered death and rose again. He went through the suffering to the other side. God, would you be our portion? Would you be the one we come back to? Would we seek your face? Let me pray for you. Oh, God, thank you so much, Lord, for this time. God, would you cover these people with your love? Would you show up every time they open the word of God, even if it's just for a few minutes? But God, would they carve out more time for you in their lives, God, and encounter you in worship, in study, in prayer, and surrender? Thank you for being our Lord, God. You are the one we seek. You are our portion. We seek your face. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.